welcome to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and joining me today is one of the principals from Wake County Public School System in North Carolina, Mr. David Garday, and he's a middle school principal up there in North Carolina. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I, I love uh, middle school. Middle school is just such a great transitionary period for students, I think. They're kind of getting deeper into puberty and also getting deeper into adulthood and adolescence. So it's a great time to be able to shape and mold uh, the gener- the next generation that's coming in to our work, work to our workforce and to our college system. How long have you been a principal? Um, so this is my third school year um, as principal uh, of this middle school. Okay, okay. But have you? How long have you been an educator? Let me ask that too. Um, thirteen years. This is thirteen year thirteen. Right on. Has it always been in the middle school area? Well, yeah. It's uh, so a little bit funny. So I originally um, was getting my degree in elementary education. Um, with a, a minor in math. And uh, I did my student teaching um, at a sixth grade class um, and just fell in love with that middle school age. Mm. Um, but, but my first teaching position was actually high school math up in New York. Um, but then I moved down um, to Raleigh um, about 12 years ago. And um, I've been in middle school ever since. I taught middle school down here. I was an assistant principal at a middle school. And now my first principalship is at a middle school. So I love middle school. Gotcha. Gotcha. What, what do you think it is about middle school that, that has kind of caught your attention and kept you in that lane? Um, I, I think it's a combination of, um, I, I'm, I'm kind of a, um, I think a sense of humor and having fun with the kids is really important to kind of establishing a, a school environment where kids want to come and want to learn every day. And so that's my personality. And I feel like that fits the middle school student. Mm-hmm. Um, it also, it also fit the high school student, but I felt like when I taught high school, um, I had a harder time um, changing students' minds about education or the direction mm-hmm. they might be able to go. And I feel like mm-hmm. in middle school, if I get them in grade six, I got three years to kind of convince them and help shape them by the time they leave so they have a, a better foundation and a little bit more self-confidence going into high school. So I feel like the, the middle ages um, are just an opportunity um, to take a kid and help shape and develop them um, before they get a little bit too much in a fixed mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can appreciate that. What, what, what do you do? You're, you've been in the school system, the natural school now for – three years, so you probably got your culture established and your students in the right direction that, that you've wanted to since you've been in the position. How are you preparing your students for success in what is today a global economy? Um, and so we're actually, um, so we're a, a, a global studies and language immersion magnet school. Hmm. Um, so we have a, a, a double magnet program, which is really neat. So we're the only um, school in Wake County that has these two magnets. And so the language immersion is essentially, we have students this year as our first cohort who are fluent in Spanish. Wow. Um, and so they're taking um, a double block of class in Spanish every day, but they've been getting a lot of their instruction um, since kindergarten in Spanish. So wow. that adds an interesting dynamic to the school. Um, and then we have a global studies magnet program, and that's open to anybody in the entire county. And students in that program have the opportunity to take Mandarin, Spanish, or French. Um, they also have requirements to take global studies electives. We specifically um, have 
um, a global studies elective teacher with all he does is teach global studies elective classes, wow. um, everything from global architecture to global technology, culture classes. And so, um, and he's actually uh, ex-military, ex-Air Force, who's, who's seen a lot of the world. And so he just loves it. And he's a fantastic mm -hmm. teacher. Um, so the kids really enjoy that. So those are some of the things that we have that are very specific to, you know, making our, our students think a little bit outside of, of Raleigh and North Carolina. Yeah, that's, that's really unique. I know in, in college, I was diametrically opposed to taking foreign language. <laughs> <laughs> and I was able to substitute my foreign language classes for global perspective. So I got to take multiple Black World Studies, Latin American World Studies, and my last semester of college was able to study abroad in Europe. So got the European World Studies too. And it, it just made my world completely flat. Where did that initiative come from to focus on global studies and, and language immersion? Uh, I, I think Wake County um, itself, so is such a big um, district. And I think that with the, the people we pull in from um, all over the United States, whether it's coming down to Duke or UNC or NC State or people coming to work in the Research Triangle Park, the, 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 the community itself is very global. And so mm. there was a need to kind of represent the population of the county mm. and the population of the district. And so because there wasn't this program before, it felt like Daniels was a great place to start it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And talk, can you talk a little bit about the diversity of um, your county and, and your area specifically? Yes. So Wake County um, is um, we were, we're quickly approaching about 175 schools. And wow. so um, there is essentially a school that, that represents every kind of different situation across the country. So what I mean by that is we have suburban schools, we have inner city schools, we have um, rural schools, we have magnet schools. Then when you get into the high schools, we have early college programs, STEM schools. Um, and so us being a magnet school um, and, and, and Wake County was one of the first to, to use magnet schools for equity and to diversify mm -hmm. inner city population. And so, mm -hmm. um, we try to magnet students from all over the county into inside Raleigh um, so that our school population represents kind of what the world is going to represent or what the world is going to look like for our students once they exit high school and get into college. Yeah. So that's that's a really innovative approach, I think, to equity. And that's that's been a, a bigger conversation here on the podcast, too. I've had a couple conversations about equity in, in the schools. Where, where did that start? Was that um, from the superintendent down? What, where, how did you guys recognize that that was a felt need? And when did this initiative to, to be so inclusive and equitable start? This was back in the 70s. Wow. Um, yeah. And this was the school board. We had a very progressive school board um, mm. who had great foresight. And so um, put this plan into place to, to merge Raleigh, um, Raleigh School District and the Wake County, the county district together into one and use kind of the magnet programs um, just to increase the diversity and the equity in the entire county. So um, we've been kind of at the forefront of that for, for years and we, we're trying to continue that, that trend. And so um, mm. as a magnet school, um, recruitment is huge for us, getting out to the outskirts of the county, getting mm. trying to get kids from all over, um, all walks of life to come join us in, in Raleigh. Yeah, are, are you able to, how do you accommodate the, the, the bus system and um, different you know, language? I guess you wouldn't have buried because the school has the international focus language-wise, but how are you able to supplement and support the students that are coming into your school from such a variety of backgrounds? 
and so I, and that's a tough question because transportation is, is, is a huge issue. And so there are some magnet schools in the county that get transportation um, provided from all over the county. Mm. Um, un unfortunately for us, our global studies um, magnet, um, again, anybody in the county can, can, can register and apply to be a magnet student at our global studies program, but they have to provide their own transportation. Uh. Just and just because um, Wake County, if you go kind of tip of one tip to the other, it's like 90 minute drive if you're going 60 wow. miles an hour. And so for them to feasibly be able to provide transportation is hard. Um, mm -hmm. they, they have been thinking about and trying to work out satellite options for certain populations. So mm -hmm. at our school, it's, it's not there yet, but I know that there are several middle schools that are magneted um, in the county that do get transportation, which is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So as, as all, I know you mentioned you've got 1,200 students. So is every one of those 1,200 students a part of the magnet, magnet program? No, no. So we, so we magnet about 200 students. Um, the other 1,000 students are our base population, so they don't have yeah. to do anything to attend us. So okay. it gives us kind of an, um, which, which I, I think is wonderful because then you have um, a balance of students who are choosing to come there, they're magnet, a little bit of a different population, plus you get your base population, which brings something different. And again, the diversity and the equity involved in it, I think is just great because it's not just everybody coming from one area, you have everybody coming from all over the county. Yeah, yeah, that's, mm, that's strong. I, I haven't heard about this before, you know, in terms of having the, the global focus. You know, I've heard of magnet programs that are focused on medical. I've heard of arts and science based pro or, or STEM programs, right. humanities programs, but I haven't really heard the global studies background. Did you have a background in the global studies and language immersion before you were the principal of your school? No, no. So I actually, um, I taught at another magnet school um, in Wake County, a middle school magnet school um, that was an academically gifted um, so it, the magnet was different and it, it catered to, to students who were, were gifted and that's where we magneted from the county. And so when I applied um, for this principalship, I had experience with magnet, but not experience with the global studies or the language immersion. Mm, mm, okay. What, what was that adjustment like for yourself? Getting, what, was there a big adjustment going from a more of an academically focused to the diversity and, and global perspectives of your current school? Yeah, I, definitely. Because for, for me, I'm, um, as a former math teacher, um, things I kind of see, it, you know, um, uh, in black and white in the sense of yeah. that it's, it's cut and dry. But so I didn't really understand logistically what a global studies magnet entailed. And so if I apply to to Daniels as a global magnet student, what does that mean? What, what am I getting when I leave the school? What am I supposed to have accomplished? Right. Um, so for me, it was kind of the logistics of everything, seeing the plan, seeing what we needed to do to support the kids so that parents were happy with it. Because if you're just a magnet in name, the parents are going to recognize that. Mm. And then when you go to recruit, um, your numbers are going to go down. But if, if parents are happy with, with the magnet and they feel that it's strong and they feel like it's something that's that can't be offered at a base school, then they're going to spread the word to their other friends and families and the magnet's going to remain strong. So it was important for me to understand what it meant to be global, to understand what we needed to provide the kids so that we could continue to um, increase enrollment and, and beef up the magnet program. So, so what kind of development and training have you gone through and or still putting yourself through to better understand your, your curriculum and your needs to to contribute to the success of your of your program and your school 
Yeah, so we actually, so we partner with a company called Participate out of uh, Chapel Hill, um, which provides professional development for all of our staff and essentially teaching us how to take the, the common core standards in North Carolina, um, the standard course of study, and apply global concepts to it. So not changing the curriculum, but yeah. how to kind of broaden it and take a, maybe a, a simple lesson and make it um, more inclusive of other cultures. And, and so that's something that we do every year. Um, there's a, a software platform that, that teachers will go and submit lesson plans and get feedback on. Um, we also have been working with another company on project-based learning so again, taking maybe a simple concept and turning it into an open-ended questions where students are identifying problems in certain areas and then working with their, their classmates to develop solutions to those. So yeah. those are two of the big ones that we've been doing um, with the staff, with the students, and, and, and me, myself as well. Yeah, and, and I know the project-based learning tends to have more of that student-focused approach. And you mentioned um, teachers can submit their lesson plans is that on participate so you're kind of able to outsource that feedback for your teachers yeah absolutely so um they'll they'll go through um an online training um will they're you know review videos and go through lessons and then they'll do something and submit it and kind of get feedback on seeing if they're on the right path or ways in the future to enhance it or looking at next year how to change it or tweak this to make it um, a little bit better or to make it a little bit more global. Um, so participate is wonderful at, at supporting our teachers. They, they come out to the school to do face-to-face -face professional development. They've also helped us um, recruit teachers internationally. Um, and so we've hired um, a teacher, it's just since I've been there from Colombia um, and a teacher from China um, okay. at the school. So again, trying, trying to have authenticity at the school with regards to the, the, the global aspect of it. Right, right. What, what are some of your metrics for success at the school? You've got such a diversity of students and, and wide ranging approach to education. What are some of the things that you, you measure your success on? Right. So, so kind of st the standard stuff is we have, you know, our, our EOGs, our end of grade tests every year. And that's kind of, I mean, that, that's kind of what the county and the state and a lot of, you know, the parent, the community holds us accountable for. Um, so, so, so that's a big one. Um, we also frequently look at, at discipline. Um, so number of referrals, suspensions, that, that is key because we're trying to maximize instructional time, keep kids in the classroom. Yeah. So we're looking for those numbers to get down, but specifically when it comes to, um, academic or your behavioral, we're looking for equity. So we're seeing if, um, the, the representation of the population is equivalent or um, lines up with, with the achievement level and EOGs and also with the number of suspensions and seeing if there's disproportionality between races and, you know, number of suspensions. Well, how, how speaking on behavior, that's, that's my primary focus as a consultant is, is supporting um, both teachers and, and as their emotional coach to eliminate that baggage and bias their blind spots from their personal lives so that they can go in and appropriately de-escalate a situation that's necessary and, and use their strategies, tier one, two, three interventions, whatever the, the case may be, to keep their students in class. How, how does discipline impact your school day? Um, so it's, uh, you know, cause to me, it's all like discipline and relationships go hand in hand. So to me, it's, it's just integral. It's a, it's a part of the day um, and, and trying to, um, help teachers foster those relationships with the kids. And so um, we work a lot with the staff on 
Um, so we have an equity subcommittee, so we work a lot with the staff through that, that subcommittee, but we also work on um, restorative circles. We work with the staff on relationship building. Um, over the years, we've kind of, we've gotten bits and pieces of trainings, which is kind of, it, which is great to get the, to have the opportunity, but sometimes you kind of piecemeal things together. And so um, we've taken parts of capturing kids' hearts, parts of restorative circles, um, working with another university that helps with restorative circles as well. They come in and, and do mediation between students. And so hmm. kind of a variety of factors to address it from all fronts. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. That's important. Do, do you have, what kind of strategies are your teachers using or resources and strategies do your teachers have to support classroom behavior? Um, so, so for, for me, a lot of it comes down to, um, having a strong instructional, having strong instruction, I think eliminates a lot of the behavior and discipline concerns in the classroom. So focusing on curriculum, you know, understanding by design, um, engaging lessons that are allowing student choice, um, creativity, collaboration, critical thinking, all of that. I think that if you have um, a teacher who understands how important it is to have relationship with kids and, and not just in namesake, but they, they really care about the kids, but they also have high expectations for the kids. And then adding on top of that strong instruction where they're yeah. going to push the kids. Um, I think that's the combination that you need to keep kids in the classroom. Cause I mean, there's, there's tons of protocols and there's tons of systems out there and there's tons of people and there's tons of books. But I think that if, if the teacher cares about the kid, if the, teacher has high expectations for the kid and if the teacher creates lessons that are engaging the yeah. kids are going to stay in the classroom yeah yeah that's that's true is there is the you know coaching that up and so where does the focus go when it comes to professional development do you have a lot of classroom management training or is the focus more so on creating those the curriculum or the the lesson plans that will engage the students to keep them in class I think it's a, it's a it's a good combination of both. Um, last year, we did a lot of work on the uh, UBD understanding by design. So having teachers unpack their curriculum, understand the standards, working backwards to create assessments and then create units and then lessons that are going to engage and hit those key standards um, was important. But then also like um, this Friday coming up or next Friday, um, we have a uh, Campbell, Campbell University, which is close to us too, is coming out to do um, circle training with the entire staff. And right. so again, those kind of practices, I think it's a good way to, to mix it up every now and then to, to talk about the academic side, but then also to talk about the relationship behavior side. Yeah. Um, I think it keeps it fresh and I think teachers, teachers enjoy that. Yeah, for sure. How often do you guys engage in professional development? So um, this year, so we have this is the last year actually Wake County is doing early release days. And so we, we always have, um, it's, it's usually breaks down to about one early release day a month. Um, and so gotcha. next year we're moving to all work days. They're getting rid of all early release days. And so we're going to actually have a, a much greater opportunity next year because there's going to be at least one work day a month where we can really sit down and do some professional development. Cause now it's, it's work days when we have them um, early release, we have a, a faculty meeting, um, once a month and sometimes there's some logistics stuff that you got to get through in a faculty meeting but we tr we try to include some some professional development whether it's 15 or 20 minutes from the social worker the school mm -hmm. psychologist just sharing some information or how yeah. to deal with a, a certain um, you know we've, we've had a, an increase in students with autism in our school and so we've worked closely with the school psychologist um, counselor um, 
um, one of our speech pathologists to, to do some professional development on strategies of working with students with autism, just little things like that at faculty meetings. So whenever we can do it, um, we, we, we uh, engage teachers with professional development, but this year has actually been a little bit tough because we've, we've missed a few days um, because of hurricanes yeah. um, in, in 18, and then we've had a couple of snow days, and so whenever we have those, those makeup days tend to fall on um, teacher work days or yeah. early release days, and so that gobbles up those professional development days that are so crucial. Yeah, yep. and you said monthly having those work days, so that would be a day, <clears throat> excuse me, during the week where students aren't, aren't necessarily on campus, but the teachers would be on campus to have a full day of professional development and training for themselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so, um, and, and those days, we, and again, providing that balance of, and we do a lot of, uh, we use Google Forms quite a bit. So asking yeah. the teachers, you know, what do you want? What do you like? And then after professional development, did you like this? What, you know, what, what are you gonna take yeah. away? That sort of thing. And so catering the professional development around what kind of we see as an administrative team, but also what teachers want, what they need, um, and, and that balance too. And so with a work day a month, you can, you can even split it down where you have half of the day as some kind of professional development, and the other half is allowing teachers to PLT, to, be in, you know, to, to work on lesson planning or work on gradebook and kind of the, the day-to-day stuff that sometimes can, can get you overwhelmed if you don't yeah. have those breaks. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, do do you feel like your teachers are overwhelmed, or do they feel like they're overwhelmed? <laughs> Probably at this, the, the the quarter three is always the longest stretch yeah. in the year. So I think if you took a survey of them now, I think they probably would say yes. Um, we haven't had a, a a kind of a holiday since um, Martin Luther King Jr. Day in January. So this is the winter months are always tough, just because. It, just because of the weather and um, the days seem a little bit longer. So I think that, and, and as you get closer to the end of the year, um, a lot of stuff starts starts to build up. So I think that yeah. they are looking forward to um, the work day next Friday, and then we have spring break in a couple of weeks. So sure. so I would say, yeah, they probably, to be honest, they probably say, yeah, they're a little bit overwhelmed right now. Right. Well, and the students get spring fever too. Once it starts warming up, they would just want to be outside and start going crazy. No, I, I, no, we've definitely seen that. And I feel like, um, and I don't know if it's because in the winter it's too cold to be outside. We, we see a, a, an uptick in the number of um, stuff that goes on social media. I don't know if that's because mm. co- kids are cooped up inside and so they're on their computers or, or their phones or their tablets or whatever. And yeah. so we always seem to see a rise in um, those kind of behaviors, negative behaviors on social media in these winter months. That, make, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Well, and as you're as you're approaching the end of the third quarter and end of the school year, what what do you feel like are some of the obstacles in the way of achieving your success right now? So I don't, and I don't necessarily know if it's if it's if it's obstacles. I think I think it's opportunities. I think there's always challenges. I think um, you know, again, maintaining a uh, the, the culture of a positive attitude, um, working towards a common goal is so important because. Um, a school year ca- can be long. And so keeping that focus towards the end of the year is, is crucial. And um, having the time for teachers to, to talk to each other, to reflect, um, to do the circle training is going to be so important um, just for the mindset of everybody. Because sometimes when you get in your room and you, and you don't have an opportunity to engage with the adults in the building, you can, you can get run down a little bit. And so I think that maintaining that focus, maintaining that positive attitude as yeah. students, like you said, might um, have a little bit of spring fever 
um, I think it is, is essential and that we're not just trying to, you know, we're not trying to just get to the finish line. We're trying to, you know, sprint through the finish line. Yeah. I, amen. I, I believe that. How about as you're planning for next year, is there any other initiatives or focuses that you have um, in terms of goals and things for the next school year? Yeah, so um, we, we team, we have a team model for all three grade levels. So we have three teams in sixth grade, three teams in seventh grade, and three teams in eighth grade, which is a little bit different than I think most middle schools. I think a lot of mm. middle schools will team in sixth grade to help with that transition from elementary school. But by seventh and eighth grade, um, they might go to the junior high model just because it's a little bit easier with scheduling. Some yeah. people think it helps with the transition to high school, preparing kids to not have that team model. But we like the team model because of the relationship aspect. We actually um, we loop our um, grade level assistant principals and our grade level counselors. So the, the sixth grade assistant principal and the sixth grade counselor will be with those group of students for three years just because that relationship is so important for the kids and for um, the parents. And so with the team model, that all speaks to that. And so I really want to get back to focusing on and looking into some literature on why the team model is so effective and people to understand that when you have an effective team of four core teachers, how that can really offset some of the challenges of working in a middle school. Um, mm. and so getting back to those conversations so that teachers can trust each other, they can rely on each other, um, they can share in those successes with each other. Um, because on the flip side of it, if you have a team that's, that's not functioning well, it can have the opposite effect where kids will realize that the team might be dysfunctional. They'll pick yeah. up on those relationships that aren't strong um, and, and you'll lose out on the importance of a team. So I think a team can be a wonderful thing. I think it could be the best thing, but it's got to be done right. And I think we need to go back to a little bit of, of why we team and how valuable of a tool it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. So um, is, is there anything for, for someone that's listening, a, a principal in a, a large or small district like yourself, any words of advice or just comments to help encourage folks as we're getting into this spring fever season? <laughs> um, to, to me, it's always, it, it's all about um, um, demonstrating and, and being an example of what you want to see from your from your kids and from from the staff in the sense that modeling positivity um i think it i think it really goes a long way if as um as a principal or as an administrator you are out in in the building you are talking to kids you're shaking hands you're at carpool you're smiling um if you have some paperwork that you got to do you take your your laptop and you go plop into a classroom and you just sit and you listen and you be around kids um ask people how their day is going because I think that the kids will see that the staff will see that and that just adds so much to that that culture of the school yeah. and and again when people kind of get towards the end of the year and they can get down a little bit if they see that that, that an administrator is just positive and upbeat I think I think it lifts the spirit of the school um, I think people say all right well if if Mr. Gaudet can you know, can be this upbeat and can be this happy and can be this positive, you know, I, I can do it too. So I think it's always modeling, setting that example. Um, and, and that's not a hard thing to do. It's nothing specific that you got to learn or something that you really got to work towards. I think, you know, appreciating how important the job is, loving the job and, and just sharing that and, and showing that to the entire staff, I think just goes a long way. Mm, mm, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. It's, it's inspiring to talk to you and um, just know the work that you're doing at, at such a unique school. Daniels Middle School, is it? Yes, sir. 
Okay, knowing what you're doing with the global studies and language immersion. So um, how can how can another school um, principal, administrative staff, if they want to get in contact with you to understand a little bit more about your magnet program or just more about yourself, where can they go to find you? Um, so I am uh, pretty active on Twitter, and my uh, Twitter handle is at David J. Gaudet. That's G-A-U-D-E-T. Um, and then I actually, I started, um, I started a blog um, about two okay. months ago um, called Movie Principles, and that's uh, principles, P-A-L-S.com, movieprinciples.com. Um, growing up as a kid, uh, I was a huge, uh, my dad, I, I'm one of three boys, um, and I have three boys myself. Um, my dad used to take me and my brothers to the movies probably weekly, and so it was just a way yeah. that we always, we bonded, um, just shared in that, still do that to this day um, with my father. And so I find myself um, taking a lot of analogies if I'm talking to staff members or other administrators, when I'm trying to reference a situation or talk about how I approach the situation, um, I use the, uh, the lens of, of a movie to help explain mm. the situation. And so mm. um, movieprinciples.com is kind of where I share some of that information, but Twitter I'm active. And then uh, my email address is dgaudet, that's D-G-A-U-D-E-T at WCPSS.net. And I'm, I'm very responsive on email. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I do have to say, David, David J. Garday, that's a pretty smooth name. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I try. I try. I, I'm in middle school. I'm, I'm trying to be as cool as I can be. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if that's still working out. I have um, a, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. So yeah. um, my, my bedtime um, has gone down with every child I've had. So um, yeah, it's hard for me to stay current, stay up to date. So whenever I can try to be cool, I try. Well, that's good. The name does a good part in helping you out. I know um, movies, you, you may have already seen this one, Pay It Forward. Yes, sir. I, I love that movie, and I think there's a, a great example. I'm talking to some students this morning, seventh and eighth grade, um, for an outreach class that I'm teaching and talking to them about communication and that opening lesson that the teacher gives about how you can change your world, I think is a great scene that I've been using with some of the middle school students. So um, I, I'm a movie fan myself, a movie lover myself. So I, I can appreciate that and appreciate the words that you've shared today. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It's it, that, that ripple effect of how, you know, one student can, can make a difference, can change two people who change four people, and then it just becomes exponential. That's, that's awesome. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, thank you so much for your time sharing with us today. For everybody that's listening, you know how to get in contact with David J. Gaudet. If for nothing else, just to talk to a man that's got a really smooth name. <laughs> If you like this episode, share it with your friends, leave a comment, reach out to David or myself. We'll be happy to continue the conversation. Again, our goal here on the Dash Podcast is to provide you with challenging, meaningful, significant conversation on how to bridge the gap in education. We'll see you next time. This is the Dash.